Hey, this is John Morgan. I'm the lead pastor here at Word of Life Church in the nation's capital. I want to personally thank you for taking time out to listen to our podcast today. It's our prayer that you're inspired and that your life is changed for the better while listening. So go ahead, enjoy today's message. How many of you know that sometimes uh, certain behavioral mentalities get cemented into uh, our, our life and they are just really, really hard to change. Anna and I have been married 17 years now, and I think she's still trying to get me to put the toilet seat down. It's like her mission in, in, in life. But over 17 years, I'm getting, I'm better than I was when we started. Uh, but, you know, that's cemented behavior. She has cemented behaviors in her life as well that I have to, you know, to live with. Like, she loves to live in a refrigerated climate. For somebody born in Arizona, you wouldn't think that she'd want to live in Antarctica, but that... That is definitely an issue for us. Cemented behaviors. Uh, I was a chef, most of you would know, that, that have been here a while. Uh, that was my trade before I was in ministry. And I had an apprentice. We train up young leaders. And I had an, an apprentice, and we were doing spaghetti bolognese. And so I said to him, you know, put the spaghetti, you know, on the stove. Let's cook it up. And he said, chef, where is the muschetti? And I said to him, the what? He said, the muschetti. And I'm like, it's not muschetti. Muschetti doesn't have an M in it. It's spaghetti. Get the spaghetti, not the muschetti. He said, okay, I'm going to go and grab the muschetti. So what don't you understand about that? It's spaghetti, not muschetti. They are mosquitoes, not spaghettos. <laughs> and so he's like, well, I'm going to get the muschetti. I'm saying, say it with me. Say spag. And so he's like, spag. I'm like, say yeti. He's like, yeti. I say, say spag, spag, yeti, yeti, spag, yeti, spag, yeti. He goes, muschetti. <laughs> that bad boy was glued in his skull. We have some behaviors like that. I grew up in Australia, as you can tell by my accent, and you know everything's flipped upside down there. So... Christmas in Australia happens at summer. It doesn't happen in winter. But I have lived in America now for just on 20 years. Two decades. And I still can use summer and Christmas interchangeably together, meaning the exact same thing. They are just cemented behaviors in my mind. Jesus experienced that sort of thing with his disciples. Jesus is about to ascend into heaven. He is about to sit at the right hand of the throne of God and have all authority and have all power. And he's given uh, parables and teachings to the disciples that I'm putting the kingdom of God in your hand. The parable of the king going away for a long time, coming back and looking for what they did with the talents that he gave them, five, two, and one. He'd spoken to them over and over about this. And so he's about to leave the church, the kingdom of God, in the capable hands of his disciples. And they say this, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Now, before he was crucified... The disciples thought in their mind over and over again that Jesus was going to implement kingdom rule. 
in their mind, Jesus was going to come and have like a coup d'etat or to have a revolution to overthrow the Roman government, implement his reign as Messiah. That's what they had in their mentality. And you see this happen all throughout the ministry of Jesus and his interaction with the disciples. It was that mentality that Jesus wasn't doing it their way that caused Judas to sell Jesus out. It was that mentality that created a political play in uh, James and John's mother, who was trying to get them to have some level of authority in this newly established government that Jesus was going to set up. And it was that moment for Peter that he went from being, you know, celebrated as having a revelation from heaven to being called Satan, which is never a good thing to be called by Jesus. Just chucking it out there. One theologian put it like this. He said, for the most part, they, talking about the disciples, never got it. They never picked up on his mission. Throughout the Gospels, they wanted Jesus to throw off the iron hand of Rome, tell the nation he was their Messiah, set up the kingdom. Surely now that he'd risen from the dead and instructed his troops, it was time for the rebellion to begin. So, so here they are. Jesus predicts his death and dies. Jesus talks about uh, his resurrection being in the tomb, the sign of Jonah, and he rises from the dead. He's dead and he is buried. And then he rises from the dead. He walks and talks, resurrected Jesus, walks and talks with the disciples. And he's about to go into heaven and hand it off to the disciples. And then they say to him before he goes, is it now? Is it going to happen now, now that you're resurrected? Are you going to use that power to overthrow the government now? Is that what you're going to do? And Jesus is like, no, that's not the agenda. What have, what have I got to do to get this into your brain? That's not how it's going down. He said, it's not for you to know the seasons or times that the Father has fixed in his own authority. My dad has got it in control. My father knows what he is doing. My dad is not running on your agenda. My dad is not even running on your passion. My dad is not running on your belief system. My dad has fixed this in his authority, and I'm encouraging you. You just be worrying about what I've got you to do and forget about worrying about what he's going to do. Because he's fixed this in his authority. He said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You want power? You want authority? I'm sending it to you. You're going to receive that power. You're going to receive that authority. I'm going to fill you with the Holy Spirit. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And here's the agenda. Church... Here's the agenda. Forget about what the Father has set in his time. Forget about what the Father... I'm not saying don't be interested in it. I'm not saying have, you know, some slight dabble or... Because there's a lot of doctrines in the Bible that are interesting. He's just saying, what I want you to do is understand what you should be about. And I'm going to fill you with power from on high when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You are the agenda of God. Turn to the person beside you and say, you are the agenda of God. 
You are the agenda. You are his witnesses. You're going to expand his kingdom. You will preach the gospel till the ends of the earth. Now, we have an election coming up, and I would encourage everybody, if you can vote, make sure you vote. Make sure you have your say. I, I believe that we have a responsibility uh, in, uh, in how the government functions, and so I'm not disregarding our responsibility with the government, but I'm here to tell you that what we need is not a political revolution. What we need is a spiritual awakening. That's what we need. We don't, we don't need some words from a president. We need a move of God. We need Jesus to manifest his presence on the planet. And we need the church of Jesus Christ all around the world to rise up in the authority that God has given us to get off our backsides, to stop relaxing back and having church as a social activity on a Sunday morning that we get to do in our Christian club, listening to sermonettes by pastorettes, sitting on and playing in our castanets or whatever. You know, we are, we are the kingdom of God. We are the church. The church of God will break down the gates of? Gates don't attack us. When was the last time you saw a gate attacking anybody? We go down, we storm the gates, we break down the walls, we push through the barriers, we make the change. We need a spiritual revolution and it begins in the house of God. We should be more worried and uh, or less worried about his return and more worried about our answering to him when he returns. In the parable of the king going away, he gave the picture, king's going to go away, he's going to come back. So we know Jesus is coming back. Bible's clear about that. King's going to go away, king's going to come back. That's what's in the father's control. When he comes back, and you can, you can do all you want to tell me how you predict the day, the date, the time, the season. Listen, they've been doing that since I've been saved, and they're all wrong. 88 reasons why Jesus was coming back in 1988 was a huge seller in 87. Didn't do that great in 89. The number one end times guy in New Zealand, Pastor Barry Smith, great man of God. Have huge respect for that man of God. And he uh, was, had integrity and, and we had him speak for us. So I love Barry Smith. He was, that was his skill. That was his focus point. But I want to tell you, every time he made a prediction, it was wrong. He even said, Jesus is going to return before I die. He's dead. The dead in Christ will rise first, to, to die is to be with him. So, so Jesus does come back for us all, whether he's coming back physically or we're going to him. So there's going to be a return. So that's all going to happen, but it's in the Father's hands and leave it to the Father. That is not my responsibility. My responsibility is not to predict it. My responsibility as a pastor is not to know it or to have an assumption. My responsibility as a pastor is when you stand before God, if you have one talent that he's given before you, given to you, that you don't stand before him on judgment day and hand the talent back and say, I played it safe, but man, I was really good on doctrine. My responsibility, if you have one talent, is that when you stand before him, you hand him two. If you have two, you give back another two. If you have five, you hand him ten. If you have twenty, you give him forty. That we have a responsibility in the kingdom of God that one day you will stand before him. 
And if you're saved, you don't have to worry about the sin judgment. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses you from all your sin. That's a problem with the church. We're, we're treating Christianity like fire insurance policy. As long as we've got the blood of Jesus and we can walk into heaven and live with him for eternity, everything is going to be good. Not so good. Because he's going to ask you, what did you do with everything I gave you? What did you do with the 24 hours a day? What did you do with the salary I gave you? What did you do with the opportunities? What did you do to advance what I gave you? What did you do with all of that? And so as the church, we're going to make sure that we are not uh, swallowing camels, as Jesus put it, and straining at gnats. That we are not worrying about how the outside of the cup is clean, but we are more worried about the inside of the cup. In other words, Jesus was telling us, don't, don't major on the minors. Major on the majors. The things that are important to the kingdom of God. Because the Bible is a spectacular book. How many people enjoy reading the Bible? I love the Bible. And you read it, and I don't know how many times I've read it, but you read it, and it's like, it's reading you because you get convicted or you read it. And it's like, did somebody slide that scripture in there recently? I don't remember that being in there. And, and, and the Bible is full of like wondering, uh, wonderful doctrines and interesting things that we can study. But we've we got to make sure that we're doing the thing God's called us to do. Jesus was at the house of uh, Lazarus, Martha and Mary. And Mary was sitting down just listening to Jesus talk and sitting at his feet. And Martha's out in the kitchen. She's making pupusas and she's pouring everybody a glass of Inca-Cola. And, you know, she's getting everything ready. And she comes out and she's serving everybody. And Jesus is looking at her and he goes, what on earth are you doing? And she's like, I'm angry at Mary. Get her up serving. And, and she's like, no, read the moment. This is not an opportunity for you to run around and serve everybody. I'm not going to be here forever. Give them papooses when I die. <laughs> but right now is the time to sit at my feet. I think there's one translation puts it like this. They say, uh, Martha, Martha, your finger is in too many pies. You're busy doing too many things. And so in the kingdom of God, we can, we can major on the minors, things that don't really matter, and we can make them big. And we can even make doctrines out of things that are ambiguous. Maybe one scripture or two scriptures rather than the whole context of the word of God. But one thing that's not ambiguous is soul winning. One thing that's not ambiguous is evangelism. One thing that is not ambiguous is the advancement of the kingdom of God through the church of Jesus Christ. One thing that's not ambiguous is that he's filled us with power. He's filled us with power from on high. We're an assembly of God church. We are a Pentecostal, charismatic, spirit-filled, tongue-speaking, prophesying, Holy Ghost-moving church. That's who we are. And we're full of the Holy Ghost and power. And it's not supposed to be there so we can have a fun time. It's about to be there so we can change the world. John chapter 4, verse 34, Jesus said, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do you not say there are yet four months and then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see the fields, for they are 
wide for harvest. Do you not say there are still four months? You have a line of thinking that's robbing you from seeing the need in front of you. Jesus had been at a well, and he had an encounter with a broken woman, one broken, one rejected, one lonely, one hurting, one troubled, one woman who was the object of gossip that, that, that had to go to the well in the heat of the day, not the cool of the morning or the cool of the evening, because she was trying to dodge the crowds. And she goes and she sits at the well. Number one, Jesus shouldn't have talked to her because in that day, women were a piece of property and he wasn't supposed to talk to her as a rabbi. Number two, she was a Samaritan and there was a disconnect socially and uh, relationally uh, uh, between the Samaritans and the Jews. But Jesus is talking to this woman. Why? Because Jesus is like, that doesn't matter. Nothing matters except you're broken and your life is messed up. And I'm willing to cross all sorts of barriers to get over here and talk to you because you're hurting and you need the love of God. And then disciples come up and they've, you know, they've got Chick-fil-A because it's not Sunday because Chick-fil-A is closed on Sunday. And so maybe a Saturday, come up with Chick-fil-A. And they're just gorging their faces with Chick-fil-A. And they're like, which is a disciple with a mouthful of chicken nuggets saying, Jesus, do you want a bag of Chick-fil-A? And Jesus is like, no, I'm good. And they're like, would somebody give you something to eat? It's like, no, as usual, it's, you just missed everything. Like, you don't understand what's happening here. I have a broken, sad, destroyed woman that he ministers to. And here's the genius of Jesus, which is the genius of missions. The disciples have a meal that's going to last a moment. Jesus is having a meal that's going to live beyond the moment. Because the Bible says he ministers to her. She goes back to her city and she says, come and see a man that told me everything about me and still loved and cared for me. And so they bring Jesus to the city so he can minister to more broken people. And they initially believed in him because of her word. But then when they met with him and had an encounter with Jesus, it went from being her faith to their faith. And he had a revival breaking out of one conversation with a broken woman. Just one conversation with a broken woman. We have Tyler here from Teen Challenge. Where are you, Tyler? Just stand up for a second. Wave to everybody. This is Tyler. Him and John are here from Teen Challenge. And, and they spend their life ministering to broken people. This is a reasonably new relationship for our church. But I want to tell you, as your pastor, this is an incredibly important ministry for our church. Because there are broken people that are addicts, they're addicted to drugs, they're addicted to alcohol, they're broken with all sorts of things, and we have an opportunity to fund people that are on the front line. They're sitting at wells ministering to broken people, and we believe that the gospel will not just heal that broken person at the well, that broken person at Teen Challenge, but they're going to raise up leaders for Teen Challenge all around the world, and lives will be turned around because of their ministry. This is the church. So we may not be able to go and do that physically ourselves, but we can fund the people to make it happen. And Jesus said, my food, the thing that I love, the thing that satisfies me, 
is to do the will of the Father, to accomplish his work, which is ministering to broken people. We have to learn to make the main thing the main thing. The main thing is preaching the gospel. The main thing is ministering the gospel. The main thing is demonstrating the gospel, living the gospel, being the gospel, and taking the gospel to the ends of the earth. That's the main thing, is global evangelism, spiritual awakening, and the church rising up and being all God has called us to be. That's the main thing, taking the gospel to the ends of the earth. Everyone say, to the ends of the earth. That's our mission. Jesus said it in Luke chapter 24, verse 47, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of all these things. And behold, I'm sending the promise of the Father upon you, but stay in that city until you are clothed with power from on high. The Holy Spirit wants to fill us with his power from on high. So let me just give you this morning just a couple of guidelines for word of life for us taking the gospel to the ends of the earth. This first one simply this, wait, wait for the infilling of his power. Be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. He says, I want you to go everywhere and I want you to preach everywhere and I want you to have authority, but I, I, I know you're not going to be able to do it in your own power. And so I want you to wait in the city until you are infused with power from on high. Do not depart. Make sure you wait for the promise of the Father which you had heard from me. To take note of the things that the Father has talked about, wait on that from him. It's not just an infilling with power. It's an infilling with power of his presence. He's saying, I don't want you to go alone. Let's do this as a partnership. In your own strength, you're going to struggle. But if you partner with me, you're going to do miracles. I honestly believe this is how God operates. God says, you do what you can do, and I'm not going to do what you can do. I'm not saying he won't. If you don't do it, he may. But God's like, no, most of the time, I'm not going to do what you can do, because I have given you to do that. And then you're going to answer for that. I'm not going to do what you can do, and then have you get the credit for what I did for you. So you do what you can do, and I'll do what I can do. And God says, then, as long as I get the glory, you'll get the blessing. I'm happy for you to have the blessing as long as you don't take the glory to yourself. And God does that all throughout the Scripture. Feeding of the 5,000. What did Jesus do? Not a lot. But he gets the credit for feeding the 5,000. But he really didn't do a heck of a lot. Disciples come to Jesus. These people are hungry. There's a big crowd. Jesus is like, and your point is what? Well, we're going to feed them. Jesus is like, and what do you want me to do? He's like, get, them, get some food. So the disciples go off. They mug some kid for his fish and bread. I don't think they thought anything was going to happen. I don't think the disciples mugged the kid and thought, we shall take Jesus back, a few fish and some loaves of bread, and he shall multiply it and feed everybody. I think what they were trying to do is force Jesus' hand to send everybody else to Chick-fil-A. <laughs> so they come back with just a couple of loaves and a couple of fish, and they're like, this is all we can get. They got the fish. Jesus didn't get it. Then Jesus blessed it, broke it, gave it back to them, and said, you feed them. 
This is Jesus. That's what Jesus did. It doesn't, he's not sweating out there. They're out there giving fish to people and bread to people. No, there's not a second helping. And, you know, just handing out stuff all over the place. Jesus is sitting back, just chatting with some people. How are you doing? You enjoying the fish, enjoying the bread. Was it cooked good? You know, and they're out. And then they come back. We fed everybody. And then Jesus is like, well, go and clean up the mess. Now they've got baskets and they're cleaning up the mess. Jesus didn't do a heck of a lot. But what he did, they could not do. They did everything that they could do. That's the church's responsibility. Do what you can do and do let Jesus do what he can do through you. And it's a strategic partnership and it changes everything. Jesus is like, I want you to go everywhere, but I don't want you to go anywhere on your own plan. I'm sending you the promise of my father upon you. I'm telling you, do not worry about the seasons and times that the Father has in his hand. Only worry about what the Father has given to you. And the Father has sent the promise of the Holy Spirit to you. So you you could be his witnesses all over the world. That's the Father's agenda. It's not an infilling of his power only, but an infilling of his power and his promise. That he fills us with power. And the promise that he's going to back us. You lay hands to the sick, they're going to get healed. You pray for people, miracles are going to happen. Somewhere in our life, we're going to get filled with faith again. We're going to get stirred up in the Holy Ghost. This is not the day for the church to sit back and watch church. This is the day for the church to rise up and be the church. God has called us to be witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the... Uh, how, uh, one second. I don't see an age limit on that. I'm not, I, I, I don't know, maybe I miss the Greek here. But when he just says, I'm filling you with the power of the Spirit, he doesn't say whether you're old or young or anything in between. He says, I'm filling you. So if you're a teenager or you're a great-grandparent, I love the fact that Margaret Bumgarner is in church today, again, every week coming, 97 years of age. Had lunch with her just a couple of weeks ago and heard some of her story, and I'm thinking to myself, I suck as a human. Because of what God's done through her life, I want God to use us like that. There's no infilling on an age bracket. He wants to fill you with the Holy Spirit if you're willing. I want you to go everywhere, but I don't want you to go anywhere alone. He says, go in Matthew 28. Go, therefore, and make disciples. I love the King James Version of this. He says, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded. And lo, I am with you always, even to the ends of the age. I want you to go, and lo, I'm with you. There is no lo without a go. You've got to have a go to get a lo. You've got to go so he'll be with you. Go and lo are... Together, They are working together hand in hand. And so God says, I want you to go into your world. I want you to make a difference in your world. And lo, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be standing with you, your biggest cheerleader, letting my power flow through your life. Go and lo, go hand in hand. Here's the second thing we need to do is we need to receive the power for a purpose. But you will receive power. Not might, not hopefully. You will receive power and you will be my witnesses. You will receive the touch of God. 
But the touch of God is always for the task of God. God just doesn't want you to get goosebumps for goosebumps sake. He wants you to be filled so you can be witnesses. Now, there's just something great about being filled with his presence, praying and feeling his glory and just like that, that reality of God. If you're here today and you're not a Christian, you're far away from God. I, I can't talk you into being a Christian, but I know my God can let you experience his power. That's my prayer for you. If you're watching online, you're far away from God. That's my prayer for you is that you would experience his power because when you experience him, he will do in you what I can't do. Now, I'll tell you about him, and I'll give you an opportunity to hear about him, and I'll share my faith with you. I'll share my experience with what God has done in my life to try to inspire you. But at the end of the day, the low and the go have got to work together. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. The touch of God is always for the task of God. In other words, if the Spirit of God moves and ministers to us, there's that wonderful feeling like, yeah, this is amazing. I love this. But he's like, I want you to take that out, and I want you to do something about it. Jesus put it like this. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Why? Because he has anointed me to do what? Preach. So the spirit of God comes upon me for a purpose. The spirit of God is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel, to make a loud sound. I think there's a reason why some people get the touch and they don't do the task. They don't preach the gospel. I think they don't preach the gospel because they have a lack of compassion for the lost. I'm fine, Jack. I don't need to worry about anybody else. Or a lack of confidence in themselves. Maybe that's you. Oh, man, my life is so messed up. I don't know if I can tell anybody about Jesus. And you have a lack of confidence in you. But I would put it to you, no one's going to get saved on your righteousness. No one's getting saved on how perfect you are. We get saved because God is perfect. We get saved because of who Jesus is. You don't have to be perfect. You just need to be willing and obedient. They're not getting saved by your salvation. So you don't have to be the perfect Christian to tell them about the perfect Jesus. Some people have a lack of understanding of the gospel. They think that the gospel is something like some pie in the sky when you die. But the gospel, the good news, is more about some steak on the plate while we wait. (laughs) Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach. And then he says, good news to the poor. What's good news to the poor? Good news to the poor is not, hey, you're poor. And you're going to stay poor. And there's no answer for you. We can't help you because you're poor. But don't worry, some point you're going to die. And when you go to heaven, streets of gold. You're going to walk, there's a marriage supper. I know you're starving now, but don't worry. When you're dead, there's a refrigerator full of food. Knock yourself out. That's not good news to a poor person. That's brutal. Like, send me down some gold street now. Open the refrigerator, right? Give me some manna, do something. Good news to the poor is you don't have to be poor. The Bible says he who was rich became poor, so we who are poor can become... That's the gospel. 
Good news to the poor is that there is a church with a mission and a mandate to go and minister to lives and change them around. And if you can't feed yourself, the church is saying, we're going to rise up and have organizations that help feed you. That's why we partner with people that can go to all the corners of the globe is because we want, we want to take what we have and give it to the world around us because good news to the poor is that we have a God that wants to break the curse of poverty off your life. That's good news to the poor. Some of you may not be poor. You may be all wealthy because you didn't seem to get excited about that. But if you're struggling financially, good news is God doesn't want you to be cursed with poverty. He came to make you blessed. You say, well, what's rich? Is rich me being a millionaire? No, rich is just having an increase of what you've got now. So if you're living on $100 a week, then the Bible says good news to the poor is to increase that. That may be $150 or $200. If you've got $200, let's take it to five. It's not everyone winning lotto or everyone becoming Bezos, but it's about God's continual increase of prosperity in your life in all ways. Whether you're poor financially, poor in your health, poor relationally, there are multitudes of ways that poverty can impact your life, and God has come to make us blessed. He says, liberty to the captive, lifting off the pressure of those who are uh, literally pinned to a wall because of sin. Healing of the broken heart, in one translation, your heart's been broken. Recovery of sight to the blind, having vision, liberty to the oppressed, somebody whose life has been squeezed down because of addictions and because of habits and because of problems. I've come to lift it off. That's what Teen Challenge is about. That's what Chi Alpha is all about. That's what uh, Convoy of Hope is all about. That's what our missionaries are all about, is lifting off the pressures that are squashing lives around our world. And then he said to proclaim, I love that, the acceptable year of the Lord. Our mission is to pro- pro- proclaim the acceptable. What, what, a, what a great Jesus loves you. God loves you. That's our mission to proclaim the Spirit of the Lord is upon me for a task. And his task is not everybody knows that God loves them, not everybody knows that God's on their side. If you have anybody connected to any sort of social media, linked to any sort of church, they have encountered all the people like online. And they just need your smiling face to be an arm around them. And say, so I love you. Word of life can be a church home where you can be loved and feel God's grace, feel God's spirit and his presence. Here's a last thought. Have a vision bigger than your living room. Have a vision bigger than your comfort zone. Abraham, get out from amongst your comfort zone and go out and subdue the planet. He says here, I want you to get out of your comfort zone. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit, but I want you to be witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Romans chapter 10 says, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed. How are they to believe in him who have they never heard? How are they to hear without someone preaching? How are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach good news. Today we celebrate our missionaries and our missionary organizations, and we tell you how beautiful are your feet. Thank, thank you for what you do. Thank you for going into the world. Thank you for being obedient to the call of God. And we at Word of Life want to get behind you. We want you to feel our support and our love, not just money, although 
Bible does say money answers all things, so we know that's a pretty powerful motivator, but we want you to feel loved by our church. And hopefully today when you get to meet our wonderful church, these are, I've known them for a year and a bit. This is a wonderful community of believers. How many of you know that you're a great church? Give yourself a pat on the back. Tell the person beside you, I am awesome. You are blessed to be sitting beside me. Look how sexy I am. Just say that to the person beside you. Unless there's somebody else's wife, don't say that. But thank you for being the beautiful feet. Thank you for doing what God has called you to do. Word of Life has a prophetic mandate to be an apostolic center. Our vision here is to not just support ministries, but through our school, from daycare right through to 12, and then launch them into Ascent Bible College. Our long-term vision is to plant missionaries and church planters all around the world. God has called us to be an apostolic center when we partner and we equip people that are already doing that. And that's what we're doing today. So we embrace the kingdom mindset. We engage kingdom initiatives. We encourage kingdom responsibility. We envision the development of people in their gifting and the deployment of people in their God-given call. As a church, we encourage and initiate opportunities for people to participate in short-term missions projects. We will make significant financial investments and facilitate strategic partnerships locally, regionally, and globally. We pray for the world and are passionate about filling the Great Commission. Our, our Jerusalem, these are our projects, our Jerusalem is our city. We have a heart to build a great church, one church, many languages. I have a heart to see this building filled multiple times on a Sunday and all sorts of people disciple during the week. We have a big dream for our Jerusalem. And for those of you that are interested, we're actually going to Israel in 2023. I know some of you are waiting on that. Anna and I, Dr. Anna and I, are flying to Israel December this year from about the 5th to the 9th. It's a Monday to Friday. And we are partnering with Ascent Bible College, who are negotiating on a retreat center that's in Magdal in Israel. We're flying over there with Rob Roden. We're meeting with the Assembly of God missionaries on the ground there, and we're going to have a strategic partnership. Our, our goal is to do missions and sightseeing together. So we're not, we're not just taking tour teams over. While that's great and people get the gospel and learn all about it, that, and that'll be a part of it, but we, we are a missions-generating church. We want to go and make a difference in the lives of people. And so we're going to send teams over there to be missionaries on the field and get the gospel preached to them while they're there and experience the touch of God. And so we, we imagine that that's going to happen. Yeah, you can give God a round of applause for that. We're guessing that's going to happen in May of next year. It, that date may change. I did suggest July, and then they all looked at me like, you're a crazy person. You're going to die of heat stroke. And I'm thinking to myself, if you lived in the cold house that I lived in, you would go in July. 
Our Jerusalem is a community arm of our church. We are partnering and, and investing in Lynbrook Elementary School down the road. We, we just gave them a whole heap of shoes. We gave them gift cards for the teachers at the beginning of the year. We're going to have an operation. Uh, I, can't remember, I think I called it Operation Rudolph or something. Uh, that was all I could think of. But we're going to give coats to them in the, in, the, uh, in the winter. That's a part of our projects that we've got. And so we're excited about what God is going to do through that. Then our Judea. Uh, Judea is, our, is the area around, of, around us. Uh, Chi Alpha uh, is led by Blaine Young. Uh, why don't you stand, Blaine? And uh, this is Blaine Young. He heads up Chi Alpha. Uh, he was voted the 475th best-looking Assembly of God pastor in America. <laughs> so he's hunting down the other 474. Take him out. He wants to be number one. But he runs Chi Alpha, which is a... A university campus ministry, a spirit-empowered and diverse community of believers on university campuses, and he represents us locally, but as a part of something that's happening globally. Chi Alpha declare uh, in word and lifestyle their faith in Jesus Christ. So he is literally pastoring and releasing uh, people on college campuses to preach the gospel through their lives. And we're investing in Chi Alpha. And I believe that we've lifted our giving from what we were giving last year. We've lifted it this year and have a vision to continually lift and support him uh, in uh, his ministry, in the ministry of their team. And then you met Nate, Nate Mulberry. He is uh, from Fellowship of Christian Athletes. And he's shared a little bit about uh, their focus on raising up coaches and Christian athletes to impact schools and university campuses and sports all throughout America. That's just a great opportunity that we have. And uh, we started supporting you, I believe, last year. Uh, we weren't supporting. We started supporting you, and then we gave you a little bit more, and then we just met with you and asked you what your uh, gap was for this year. I think that's how it went down. And we said, well, let's us fill that gap. I think that we're your number one supporter at the moment. If we're not, we are going to take that place back. But uh, we've got it, and we're going to intend to keep it. But we want to thank you, Nate, for doing what none of us can do. Well, some of them. Some of these people could do basketball, but not me. Um, I wasn't, I wasn't, you weren't great at basketball either, were you? I was actually. You were good? I heard you were the South Sydney Marbles champion. No. no? <laughs> tic-tac-toe, full contact, tic-tac-toe. Yep, that's me. That was, that was, that's what <laughs> And then Teen Challenge, we've talked to Tyler. And uh, they have an incredible ministry. Teen Challenge offers comprehensive inpatient programs that help people break free from addictions and substance abuse. What an incredible, what an incredible ministry to have to do things that we can't do. And we want to, this is a new partnership for us, so we want to invest in what they're doing so we can partner with that. that, that that's, that's our Judea. Then Samaria is... Gary Hansen, our Convoy of Hope representative. And so, Gary, we, we love you and we believe in you. Last year, we put $20,000 through our uh, one-day Feed the World campaign. And we want to give the same investment this year and receive that offering collectively uh, today. And you'll have an opportunity to give uh, shortly. I'll tell you how you can do that. But we're investing as much as we did last year in that because Convoy, uh, when, when the hurricane hit, 
uh, in Florida. You were the first ones down on the scene with your trucks helping people. Uh, I was just ministering in a church in Florida to some leaders that were right in the heart of the hurricane, just encouraging them this past week and lifting up their arms so they can serve God. And they were singing the praises of Convoy and how much Convoy has done for them. And then we're partnering with the Billy Graham organization with um, Samaritan's Purse. And so when you go out in the gym and check it out, uh, Amanda's out there, and we have these boxes uh, that you can fulfill. We only have two weeks to get these in. There'll be Christmas trees out there. There'll be boxes under the Christmas tree. We encourage you to grab one and fill it. You find a good key item, a wow item, a whole heap of like cool items in there. You can choose the gender you want to support, the age bracket you want to support. You don't have to go and shop at Nordstrom. You can go to the dollar store, or you can, you know, whatever you need to do, but, but fill the box, bring back and then we have a we're partnering with Word of Life Christian Academy to put these 200 boxes I believe it is into the hands of children through Samaritan's Purse and so thank you for doing that and then the world uh, is uh, uh, Gil Rodriguez is here why don't you stand up Gil and wave to everybody and Gil is representing the Assembly of God World Missions and we support right now 83 missionaries around the world and eight missionaries within the United States of America. So just over 90 missionaries, we are investing in uh, the Assembly of God World Missions and he is leading that. Uh, El Salvador, we're going to pray for that team in just a moment, but we are in partnership with Pastor Mario Sosa in El Salvador in a city just outside in the hills, just outside San Salvador. Uh, we have built or helped them, we're partnering, help them build a church building. Uh, our team is going out at midnight tonight to be there uh, all week. I'm going there this week to preach a little bit for them and train up some of their leaders. Uh, but we're sending teams and we're helping build the building. And so we want to help build the buildings, give them money so they can do what God has called them to do. And then Pastors Jen and Israel Aaron Borgo, uh, why don't you stand again uh, for us so we can get to see who you are and show you our gratitude. They have a phenomenal missions program in Peru. They live in Iquitos, which is right on the Amazon jungle. And some of the people that went there last year told me we went swimming because apparently your brother, Israel, talked them into getting in the water. And I'm like, what are you crazy people doing? Like, that's piranha water. And, and so if it was me, I'm not swimming. I'll push champion in and, and <laughs> test the water, man. <laughs> it's not good. Um, so they have an incredible ministry they're right on the Amazon leads into all sorts of jungles taking on uh, the ministry that Israel's dad has built over the years and ministering to over 400, like 500 church plants up and down, going into areas that you can't go. I think their mission school that we're helping develop has like a river that they come up, canoes that they've come from, all sorts of boats to get into that mission school to be trained up and then released out. That's something that you and I can't do on a daily basis. We can go on the Peru team which we are taking next year. We can go on the El Salvador team which goes tonight or goes next year but we can fund their missions on what they're doing on a daily basis in Peru and so we want to honor them and thank them and invest and you can meet them outside and you'll know where their you'll know where their display is it's the one with the alpacas they're actually llamas but they identify as alpacas and 
they're out there so you can search 22, 2022. Anyway, then in Ghana, somebody's like, I can't believe he just said that. I didn't. You just totally imagined that. Then in Ghana, uh, Pastor Anna uh, is partnering with, uh, again, Ascent Bible College is training up some Ghanan women who are being developed as women leaders. Uh, we are sponsoring 10 women. It takes about $600 a, a woman uh, to help put her through these Bible college courses. And so we're sponsoring that through our women's ministry. And that's also another great opportunity um, for us as a church. So why don't we give all of our missionaries and all the people that they represent a great round of applause. That's pretty cool. Don't you think that's cool? Don't you ladies think that's cool? Would you swim in the waters of the Amazon? Absolutely not. Would you push Danny in ahead of you and like feed Danny to the piranha? I I was going to say Danny would do it. I would do it. You would do it? (laughs) Yes, she would. That is awesome. As long as we get pictures and videos, she's doing it. You'd strap her with red meat and throw her in the water and test it out? No, 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 not a lot. Red meat's a little bit of a step Okay, just... Just Just like throw in. Okay, cool. Just just checking. (laughs) Your pastor has ADD. Just get used to it. I'm going to get distracted by my own message. It's all good. It's all good. This is what you can do. This is what we're asking you to do. Today, when you came in, and you'll see them all around the building, and they're all throughout the gymnasium at all the displays, we have our our missions brochure letting you know what we're about this year. But the most important part for us today is this piece here. This is the faith pledge. And we're asking you today, uh, first of all, I want to say this, word of life as a church. I think this is the first time we've talked about missions giving since I've been here in a year and a bit, and our church family you have just stayed faithful to giving. Like those of you that made pledges when Pastor Cove was alive, you've just kept investing. And on behalf of every missionary that we've been able to support and invest in around the world, I want to thank you and we want to appreciate you. Why don't we give a round of applause to all those who, without any sort of a hint or encouragement, have just been giving. You've just been investing. But we want to lift that giving. We want to partner with those who have already been partnering with us. And so you have a missions uh, card here. You may be ready to make a missions pledge today. You can give a one-off financial gift and bless our missions projects. We'll make sure that that is given to the appropriate missionaries. You can make a monthly pledge. Uh, there, I think there's weekly, monthly, or a one-time gift on there. You can scan it. Uh, our giving app through our church app has a, a drop box or where you can put your regular giving into missions or your faith promise. And we want to uh, ask you uh, to, do, to do that. And, and we are going to receive these cards. We're receiving them today. You can put them in the box on the way out. Uh, you can drop those cards at the missionaries' tables, and they'll make sure that we get them if, if that's what you want to do. But we're going to receive a one that the offering will be November 20. So I want to give you a couple of weeks to think about it. The Bible talks about that. Think it over. Make a decision. Pray about what God wants you to do. Maybe God wants you to start giving. Maybe God wants you to lift your giving. I, I don't know what he wants you to do. You've got to talk to him about that. But we're going to receive over the next couple of weeks, today, next weekend, and then over November 20 will be the last Sunday. And the same with the, the, the boxes from uh, Samaritan's Purse. We'll receive those November 20 and be giving those to the Billy Graham organization November 21. And, um, and this is cool. We get to do something way beyond us. We get to do something way beyond us. 
How many people are excited about taking the gospel to the world? So you can do it financially, you can do it personally. There's all sorts of ways that you can uh, you can participate. But we do want to thank all our missions uh, teams and leaders and pastors that are here. Let's give them one more round of applause and thank you so much. We'll release you guys to go because you've got to go and man those booths. And uh, you can go out there and Jen and Israel probably have to wrestle the llama. Gary, you're going to have to get the goats under control. And, uh, and be up there. So you guys can go now. We'll release our missionaries to go out there. Let's give them a great round of applause. God bless you as you go out.